they say can't be done. We've got a long way to go, and a short time to get there. I'm east bound just like a bandit run. Keep your foot hard on the pedal, some never mind them brakes. Let it all hang out, cause we got a run to make. Welcome to Highway Freaks, Real Truckers, Real Life. Tonight, we have a special guest, Dave Scott, a former radio journalist, a multiple experiencer of the unknown. Dave has tracked Bigfoot and had personal experiences with E.T., him or herself. He's the host of Spaced Out Radio Show Podcast. You can hear it Monday through Friday, three hours each night. And if you wanted to email questions tonight, that's already done, so we have got some emails coming up. Uh, we have RV Lisa standing by. We have Wing It Will, and of course, your host, Fry Guy, The Road Dog. So the first thing I want to ask is, uh, how was your week there, Will? It was pretty good. All in all, the week went pretty good, and I uh, got a lot accomplished. There's uh, there's a clear clear difference between you know last last week. Yeah, it was um it was pretty enlightening this week. Uh, how about you, Brian? Uh, my week wasn't bad. Uh, Carl, my truck uh, that I named, uh, which we talked about uh, two podcasts ago, had a little bit of uh, little glitches, uh, but other than that, he's uh, doing good. I'm sitting in Langley, British Columbia, rainy Langley, BC. And there's quite a controversy going on in British Columbia, and, and uh, I definitely want to ask Dave about this, because it is all over the internet. Just to let you guys know what happened, uh, we had a Fox broadcaster, uh, lady uh, by the name of Tisha Lewis, and she uh, she flopped really bad. She, um, first of all, the Vancouver Canucks had a coach named Bruce Boudreau. Now, Bruce Boudreau, was a very well-known coach in the National Hockey League. And Rick Tockett is a former hockey player that played for the Philadelphia Flyers, but he's actually done a lot of assistant coaching. And the Vancouver Canucks are pretty well-known. I mean, they went to the Stanley Cup final one year. So I want to ask Dave, what do you think of this stuff, about the, the, the Boudreau game? You know what? I have seen this happen a number of times throughout my broadcasting career. And what happens is twofold. Number one, we have to remember that most people in the United States who do sports broadcasting put the NHL to the side. And they don't uh, pay attention to it. They don't pay attention to the teams. It comes across their ticker. And the only reason why this story made news in Washington, D.C. was because of the fact that Boudreaux used to coach the Capitals. And so it was amazing that this broadcaster was able to get through the story. It's obvious she never covers NHL hockey. And she probably doesn't even know where Canada is. <laughs> and But you know what? It, it was a rookie mistake. An absolute rookie mistake in broadcasting because everybody knows you should pre-read your scripts. Absolutely. That is first and foremost. And if you are unfamiliar with something, you always ask the question, or you go on Google and just type in how to pronounce Tanut, how to pronounce Tocket. You know, it's pretty simple. I mean, I mean, it's not like you're trying to pronounce Vladimir Shirovjanov, who used to play for the Canucks, right? Exactly. Or Mark or or, you know, choose any Russian name, Vladimir Konstantinov, you know, I mean, 
they're all over the place. If you're going to cover hockey, especially with how European the game has become, you have to be able to uh, learn the name. So it was a very amateur mistake. She's going to be the ribbing of social media here, especially of hockey fans, for a while. And you know what? Good honor. She deserves it. And, uh, that, and it doesn't matter whether it was a man or a woman. In this case, it was a woman. And I've heard of men in the U.S. being butchered hockey names worse than she did. So, I mean, it's, uh, it is going to happen. She's not going to lose her job for it, but it makes it look like it's amateur hour. And she will flop it off and, as this. Uh, it's just hockey. Nobody cares anyways. Yeah, exactly. Because the number one sport. I can't even believe this. In North America, they say it's soccer. And I can't, I, you're not going to ever get me to believe that. Never. Yeah, never. We don't, I don't wish soccer upon anybody. Uh, in my religious world of sports, soccer would be considered the antichrist. And I would never wish soccer. Uh, this true story. I'll tell you a true story. Okay. When my son acts up and he starts throwing one of his childish tantrums like kids do, I, I don't punish him. I don't send him to his room. I don't send, I don't, you know, put him in a corner. I don't give him a timeout. All I have to say to him is, son, you want to go with the other hooligans to the soccer field? Because that's where hooligans go. If you want to be a hooligan, let's take you to the soccer field right now. <laughs> and he sparges right up. Yeah. What do you think about lacrosse? Like, well, just, for, just, just, I want to share your opinion. I, I, I don't care for it. Yeah, I love lacrosse. I, 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 I think lacrosse is, I hate to use the, the sexist term, a man's game, but, I mean, lacrosse is, you have to have balls of steel to play lacrosse. It's vicious, it's mean, it's, it's brilliant at the same time. You've got to be tough, you've got to be able to take a whack. Like, it is anti-soccer. Anti-soccer, because half the stuff in a, uh, that you see go on in the lacrosse game, holy cow, you wouldn't have a bench full of players left in soccer because they'd all be hitting the turf whining and crying. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. But hockey is definitely where it's at. And that's, that's we'll end it at that. So um, we're going to get right into these questions because uh, the first one just blew, just blew my mind. Um, I couldn't even believe it. Uh, and I, I'm going to be curious to know how you're going to answer this, Dave. Alien Mulder 5 on Twitter asks, What is your attitude to paranormal and scientifically unexplained things? For example, how do you rate alleged reports of extraterrestrial reasoning here on Earth, which would be allegedly drawn by aliens on arable fields? Oh, that would be like the Nazca line. Look, a lot of times when it comes to the Nazca lines, that was, those were done by humans, almost like they were trying to communicate with the people of the stars. Now, if you look at something like crop circles, which uh, have been thought of as a, an earthly phenomena to hoaxers to alien ships flying over and using them as, as some sort of mathematical equation, uh, it's really tough to tell. Um, you know, when it comes to UFOs, how they're communicating with us, why do they do certain things, this is a giant mystery that is still out there in the wilderness. And I don't know if we'll ever really truly get answers for it. I mean, anybody who says they have an answer for it 
and it's full of crap, to be honest, you know, because, look, these are, these are uh, beings that are able to use their ability to, to literally shift their own DNA in your DNA and take you out of your own home through a wall, through a window, through a brick wall, through uh, steel fabrication, you know, if you're in an apartment complex or a high-rise. I mean, how are they doing it? How do they have that ability? How do they have the ability to to withstand the, the gravitational pull that their craft uses when all of a sudden you see it darting through the sky and without slowing down, it makes a 90-degree turn on a pinpoint? I mean, it's a difficult question to answer. So I, I don't know if I skipped around that, but I really, the true answer is I don't know. That's yeah, kind of pretty good. When it came across me, I was like, what? <laughs> now, sorry, Lisa, I didn't ask you how your week is, and you more than welcome can ask Dave a question. Uh, my week was fine. Uh, that's a good last week. And uh, why is it so long for government to admit the existence of aliens? That's actually a similar question than what you think. Okay, number one, they haven't disclosed anything. Because 
being the, the largest superpower in the world, and basically the, the, the Western world's police force, they want to make sure that any toys that they have from crash retrievals or whatever it may be, that they are able to develop it first. Don't forget, though, that back in 1992, the former head of Lockheed Skunk Works, a gentleman named Ben Rich, who's been deceased almost 25 years, 26 years, told the public, we already have the technology to get E.T. home again. And that anywhere, technology that we see today is 50 to 80 years behind what they are already testing at places like Area 51. So, for instance, when you go by, when you're driving by an airport and you see a 737 or a 747 or an Airbus 340, that's antiquated technology. Whereas the U.S. government is, is flying craft at hypersonic speed. They just don't let you know that. Ocean. All right. Really? Really? Oh. And 
you know, we can't go that deep. I do know from talking to people on my show that there have been reports coming from submarines that they have, some, these submarines have been passed by things traveling at mock speed underwater. Now, the average ship can go around 35 to 40 knots. Speedboats can go faster. Some submarines can go up to 55 knots, 60 knots, that we know of. But mock speed, which is over 700 miles an hour through the water, that's for humanity, that's impossible. Not even torpedoes can go that fast, okay? That's as far as I know. So they are calculating things and, and real odd uh, uh, tracking inside the ocean. Uh, I have a friend of mine who's uh, been in black ops, and he has uh, stated to me that he does believe that if there is, if there's life or alien bases on the planet, we would already know about it because we're really good at picking things out on our planet. Okay, but when it comes to water, we are limited. We are extremely limited with the technology because of the pressure that water creates the deeper that you go, and there are just areas that we just can't get to. And if you look at the movie The Abyss, from 1992, starring Ed Harris. Yeah, that's where that's where we we kind of look into those areas, right? Where okay, is this possible? Is this what's happening? Is this where they're hiding? And it opens up a whole kettle of fish. Yes, it certainly does. Which leads me to the Bermuda Triangle. Is uh, it possible that alien life form is what's creating? problem in the Bermuda, uh, the Bermuda Triangle. Is, I don't there think a link? is there a link there? I don't think it's alien at all, but I do think that there is something odd that is happening that goes beyond science. And there are a number of these triangles that are out there. Another large one is the Alaskan Triangle that literally goes from Whitehorse over to the coast of Alaska and then way up north in Alaska and back down. And and it's incredible, you know, some of these things that people are claiming they are seeing happening within this. I mean, whether it's planes, navigations going crazy, as you have old famous Flight 19 regarding that, there's uh, all sorts of uh, shifts that have been sunk, whether it's due to storms, people going missing, UFOs being seen. It really is something that is, uh, is, is different. But I mean, is it a weather pattern? I don't know. I really don't know. Do you think we'll ever get that answer? Because, I mean, look how long the Bermuda Triangle uh, mystery has been around. Like, it's been around since I was born. And yeah, I almost did it. You're old. old. Thanks, but no, no problem. Uh, you know what? With all these triangles that are out there, it's not surprising, Brian. It really isn't surprising because there are so many different vortexes uh, that are out there. Look, we a lot of people out there are looking for places that have these vortexes or or portals that open up. Skinwalker Ranch in Utah, they allege that there is a portal that opens up there. They allege that you know the Bermuda Triangle, the Bridgewater Triangle in New York and Massachusetts. Um, you have, like I said, the Alaskan Triangle. Uh, Area 51 is, is, they wonder if there's a portal there. There seems to be these portals that jump up all over the place in North America and around the world that they just don't know 
at least publicly, we don't know what is setting off these enigmas. Oh, I have a question as far as the Bermuda Triangle, or triangles in general. The running joke in my family, like I've had numerous friends ask me to go, you know, with them on trips to Bermuda. And I know I've heard different people that have passed through the Bermuda Triangle or certain other areas that have these suspected triangles say that, you know, they've always gotten this weird feeling. It's something that they, you know, they obviously didn't appear because they were there, but they've gotten weird. And I've always wondered, like, I've had friends ask me to go on trips. And I'm like, okay, I don't know if that's tempting fate or not, because, I mean, I had, you know, a relative on the Lusitania, the Titanic, the Hindenburg, you know, and... I don't know if I should come to fate and go near one of these places. I just, I don't, you know, I mean, is that a thing that, that is absolutely can affect people? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Look, there, every one of us as humans have this little voice that seems to call us out when danger is going to arise, okay? Um, a lot of people had it, you know, you know, you go back to 9-11, uh, there were a lot of people who skipped work that day who came out later saying, you know, I just, for some reason, I felt like I didn't want to go to work that day. And then thing you know, they're watching the news and the towers are collapsing. Okay, you you have people who are like, you know, I normally go home down this road, but just something is telling me to take a detour tonight. And the next thing you know, you see the sirens going by you and they're going down that exact same road. I had an incident myself, I call it the, the angelic voice um, that everybody should pay attention to. I, uh, going back to 2013, uh, I was, it was coming out of winter and I was, I had a couple of, of uh, not close friends, but friends say, hey, let's go riding. You know, it's a nice day, let's go riding. My buddy who I usually go riding with said, no, I can't go that day. And the entire 90-minute drive up to that mountain where we were riding, uh, I was getting a, a, that voice in my head saying, don't ride today, turn around, go home, it's not a good day to ride, and I didn't listen to it. Fifteen minutes into my ride, I wiped out my ATV, and my ATV rolled down a hill over top of me and down a, uh, uh, a mountain embankment 250 feet. Destroyed my ATV. Destroyed it. And... Yeah, I mean, I totally believe that. I mean, the day my parents died, my dog told me the minute they died. I knew I, I knew something was wrong. I didn't know it was bad until the cops showed up. But, yeah, I mean, that instinct, that connection, I, I believe that. I just didn't know if, like, a family story of weird things can, you know, help you more. We all have intuition. It's your own personal intuition. Everybody has it. The majority of people have just blocked it out. You know, they don't pay attention to it. They're more interested in playing games on their cell phones and, and Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and, and TikTok than they are paying attention to what truly is going on around them. I got one for you guys. I got a great niche of uh, 30 years ago. I was 29 years old. And uh, there was a great, big, huge soap opera star named Danny Romolotti. Uh, the guy was named actually, uh, he was Michael Damien. And he was going to West Edmonton Mall, and he was performing uh, where the mind.
Mindbender roller coaster was. And I really wanted to go on this Mindbender roller coaster. I was like, wow. And but my girlfriend at the time, she said, no, no, I want um, an autograph from Danny Romilotti, Michael Damien, and, you know, get, get, here's the cassette. I wanted some autographs, and I was so pissed off. I was so pissed off. It's like, no, I want to go on the roller coaster. Well, you know what happened that day? I don't know if you know, Lisa. I'm sure Dave knows. Yeah. Yeah. You know about it, Lisa? I do not. Oh, okay. It derailed, and the people on it were killed. And had I got my way that day, I wouldn't be talking to you now. And, um... I was close to going on it. I was really close. I was like, oh, I got to sit in the crowd and get this goddamn autograph from this, this has-been guy at the time. You know, I mean, he wasn't a has-been. It wasn't my mind, but he was actually quite popular. And, um, you know, I ended up getting his autograph. But, uh, yeah, the, uh, how many people were killed, if I recall, Dave? Or do you remember that? Like, four or six, one of the two. Because, actually, I just Googled it. It's three. It was three. But, I mean, um... A lot of people were injured and maimed, and uh, it changed, well, a lot of people's lives at that time. And, you know, I've had those deja vu, you know, moments as well. So, Will, we'll kind of leave you out uh, before we do another break. Um, do you have a question for Dave? Uh, yeah. Uh, so, Dave, um, we all we all know that, you know, the government and the military have hidden uh, secrets and agendas. Um, have you heard of the CBs? Like the, uh, it's spelled S-E-A-B-E-E-S. They are a joint task force that were put together by the uh, U.S. Naval. Yeah, I've heard of the CDs before. Okay, so um, when you brought brought up under underwater uh, bases, I I truly believe that um, you were on to something. I don't I, I don't have I can send you new ways to get a hold of information, but um. There's, there's talks that uh, there was a demolition team that was built uh, called the Seabees, and uh, it's an underwater demolition team. And I like, I, I, I was wondering if, if, if that had any correlation with any of the stuff that that they've talked about underwater. Anything to do with the United States Navy is going to be kept very, very quiet regarding uh, regarding the. Uh, their personal operations. We're not, as a public, going to be able to know about those. The reason why is because anything that Navy operations do, especially when they're on a task force, they're not really right to let it go to the public unless someone breaks their NDA. I'll give you an example of that. You know, the guy who ended up from the Navy SEALs who ended up double-tapping a pair of bullets in the into uh, Osama bin Laden's head during the raid in, in Abbottabad, Pakistan. He tried to cash in on the book that he wrote as the guy, as he came out as the guy who who uh, the you know became an American hero. He did it purely out of ego. And so, in return, what the United States Navy did was they sued him, and because he broke his NDA non-disclosure agreement for public gain, they ended up, instead of him going to jail, they said, we'll let you speak, we'll let the book come out, everything, you're allowed to tell the story, but you are going to profit absolutely zero dollars from this book, and the Navy ended up collecting millions off of this guy's story, and uh, they won that in court, and so, 
you know, that's something that that you gotta you gotta be concerned about when it comes to Navy projects or any military project. Do you, do you believe that that there there is a reason why they're keeping the information uh, secret? Like even even the most basic information, are, are are they maybe like afraid that the information could trigger some people into a state of either psychosis or schizophrenic episodes? No, they keep it quiet because of a couple reasons. Number one, they keep it quiet because they don't want whatever adversaries that are out there, so in this case, it's say Russia and China, to figure out what kind of technology they are using during their during their missions. Okay. That's number one. Number two, they don't want the public to know. The, the military, really, ever since the Vietnam War, really doesn't want the public to know what is going on? The Vietnam War really changed a lot of how the media covers war because during Vietnam, the cameras had, because the American military thought it was going to be such a rollover war that they were only going to be there a few weeks, they really allowed the media to have freedom of the press. And, and they were showing gun battles. They were showing American soldiers being wounded and killed. And it really hurt the public back home watching their sons get blown away by guerrilla warfare. Yeah. And, and so since then, they've really, really stopped in trying to, uh, in trying to um, uh, watch or control what gets out to the media. Okay, so with that, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, it's time for ghosts. So lots of questions about ghosts and shapeshifters. We'll check. Okay, so we learned a little bit about aliens, the Bermuda Triangle, and now we're going to go on to a lot of people's favorite topic, ghosts. You're all taught as kids there's no such thing as, you know what, mom and dad lied their freaking minds off to us because there are ghosts and they do exist and I know Dave definitely believes in that. So the first question that I'm going to ask Dave is do ghosts haunt people or do they haunt places, Dave? I think they haunt both. Uh, yeah, but a lot of times when they're haunting places it's more residual type energy that really sticks with a location or something that is periodic to their time that they were attached to maybe in a museum or somebody's house or whatever it may be, the land. A lot of First Nations people believe it, the land has everything to do with it. But people can get haunted, you know? Ghosts uh, can, they have been known to haunt children. They've been known to haunt uh, adults. They've been known to follow families from location to location, and which we call the hitchhiker effect. You know, there's a lot of different avenues that happen when it comes to ghosts, that's for sure. Right, right. Oh, now, and I'm one of them. Where, Lisa? Tell, tell your input in. Oh, I'm, I, my, my mom never told me there's no such as ghosts. I mean, that kind of runs them first side of the family. We, uh, we've all had experiences, but I, every single place I've been that I've lived, um, I've had things happen. Um, now am I open to it? Yes. But I have often thought that I either have, whether it be a spirit, an entity, uh, I mean, obviously everybody has angels. I mean, if you believe in that. Um, but I've had a haunting. I've had things follow me that were a little, uh, 
say, you know, my level. Do you care to elaborate? Do you want to go into more detail? Um, well, I've, uh, I've had things in, in my life in all the different places I've been. So, I mean, you know, different houses, different apartment buildings, and then now being in the trailer where, you know, I've been in different areas all over the country. Things like that, you know, things going missing, rings, or, or things, you know, kind of disappearing and then showing up again. Um, or being in a room and a door, you know, closing on you and not being able to open it. And then all of a sudden you can open it. Well, okay, door, doors stick. Great. Certain doors, like pocket doors, the ones that slide into the wall, especially in RVs, those don't stick like that. They're different. And, you know, when I've had instances like that, I've just, I've kind of been like, all right. Enough. You're done. We're not playing these games anymore. I'm not putting up with that crap. And it stopped. And that was one of the things my mom always told me. She goes, you you control that narrative. You're tired. You're going to sleep. And they're doing stuff. Nope. It's your time. You're you're done. Leave them alone. And tell them. Right. Right. And so, so I was raised that way. And I have. And it works. So for this next question, and I, I think it's really easy to answer. I think every one of us is going to say uh, the same answer. Do you think all ghosts know that they are indeed dead? No. no. I, I, I believe that too. Uh, and I think Gettysburg, if you've ever been to Gettysburg, Dave, that is a great, great answer right there because a lot of those ghosts do not know that they are dead. And that is probably the most haunted place, I think, in all of the United States. Uh, have you ever been to Gettysburg? I have not. Observe and just be in awe of these 
ingesting animals, and it's the same thing when I when I'm uh, on a on a uh, out in the wilderness looking for Sasquatch or or whatever it may be. Um, have have I been on ghost hunts before? Oh, many a times. Uh, have we caught EVPs? Yes, we have. You know, the, the one thing that really screws me up about the paranormal, and I do believe there is, there is spirits and spirit activity, but the one thing we can't answer yet is who is the ghost? Is it them because we're communicating with something that we cannot visualize, we cannot see, not hear, or are we learning? Is it us, right? Or is it us? No, or is it, uh, is it something along the lines of, uh, we're actually the ghosts on their timeline? Right, right. So, which leads me to my next question. Do ghosts sleep? Can they feel emotions? And can a ghost feel love? I don't think they sleep. They don't need to. I think they can uh, go away. Absolutely, they can feel love. And absolutely, they... They have emotion. I mean, we've seen it. I mean, if you go on a ghost tour into a museum and, and you are uh, you are communicating, you can actually, you know, get them to talk about their pain and get them to talk about their, uh, you know, how they, you know, how they became where they are now, right? I mean, there's a lot of things that that you get to uh, discuss in those situations. So. Uh, yeah, I do believe for for a fact that those still have that. I mean, especially if they're people or formerly people on this timeline, they are going to be able to to uh, to experience that. Right, right. You got a ghost story there, Will? You got any uh, ghost uh, stories to tell us at all, or pass on to Dave? Oh man, I got tons. I got. Uh, I used to live in in a, a community in Calgary called Dover. And that house was insane, man. Like, uh, to give you an example, um, my mom had, uh, I, I, I guess, his boyfriend, which was considered my stepdad at the time. And every time he would uh, come home from work, the answering machine would go off, and and it would just go off all night. And we, we we couldn't stop it. We would, you know, um, we we eventually got to a point where we had to unplug it from the wall, and. Uh, I, I don't know how it happened, but there was one night we unplugged it from the wall and it kept going and going and going until he left for work. And then, uh, yeah, there was, um, there was one incident in particular that I remember, like it was yesterday. I got up from my bed and there was like, it was almost like an invisible wall. It was like waving and uh, like, like, not like waving, I mean like high. (laughs) As in like the ocean waves or whatever. And. It like walking through it was just so weird. Um, that 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 was over, and and there was a lot of weird stuff that happened. Like there was things that were thrown against the wall and whatever. It, it fast forward to now, where I live in um, a, a way better house now, but there were still incidents that were happening. Like there were bed sheets that were just thrown thrown off of you know family members. There were um, there was just stuff moved and tipped over, and you know, it got to a point where, because uh, we, we, when we moved in here, uh, like all the doors had been kicked in, or whatever. They, you could tell something went on here, and after like 
uh, a couple years. I, I, uh, when I say couple, I, I know people define couple as like two or three, something like that. But this was after about ten or yeah, t- about ten years. Uh, I got curious because uh, I kept hearing stories about this house, and I finally. Uh, now this isn't very smart. I don't recommend anybody do this, but I finally got uh, the courage up to, or the the, the kahunas up to, you know, um, get a Ouija board. And I tell you right now, bro, um, neither one of us were moving. Ah, and 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 here's the thing, right? I um now my girlfriend at the time, um, she's uh, like this was a long time ago. Um, she told me, right? She's like, Will, um, stop asking the questions because I kept asking, like, okay, who are you? Uh, why are you here? What is your name? How old are you? Just all these questions. And then, like, oh, I, I, I don't know, but, like, like, the walls, the pictures on the walls started to rattle. And she's like, Will, you, you need to stop this now. And I, I, the, the final question I asked her was, were you murdered inside of this house? And as soon as I asked that question, no word of a lie, the cupboard in my basement Lamped, and it shook the entire house. We stayed up until five, uh, five or six a.m. the next morning to get a priest over here to bless the place. When the priest came in uh, my basement, the first thing he said, he, he commented on how cold it was. He said there, there was definitely something in here. He went around the whole thing because he was he was freaked out. He went around the whole basement, started blessing the house, and to this day, there's still a cross on my wall, and. Since that cross has been there, I haven't had another issue. But here's the thing. Will did something stupid after this. Even even more naive, okay? And and, and what I'd done was I closed the Ouija board um, not, in, not in a normal way. So what I did was I got so scared of this thing, I lit this thing on fire, okay? And anybody who, who knows anything about Ouija boards knows that, one, you shouldn't play with them, and two... If you do, you need to close them the right way. Well, I didn't close it the right way, and I didn't know about it either. So, uh, yeah, I, I, we needed serious help. And, um, like, these experiences definitely made me believe in uh, what, what other people would consider as the unknown. I had a, uh, a native, I was talking to uh, an, an indigenous uh, female down in Morley, and uh, she she had come to the house and, and she she said you know like Will there's something wrong with this house you're gonna always have a dark cloud over you which we had for years but um fortunately we actually uh got rid of whatever it is but uh it, it, it's ironic how you would ask Dave if if you uh, he thinks that all deceased know they're actually deceased because she had actually told me that once a person passes they don't realize that they've gone and in the indigenous ways you're supposed to take a tobacco offering that you will never touch again you're supposed to place it outside bury it and tell tell the uh spiritual being or energy that they're no longer here and it's okay to go home and i didn't know any of this until i had experienced all of this so it, yeah there, 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 there's a couple of experiences there but dave um i, I guess my question to you would be do you believe that there are good spirits and, and bad spirits? Oh, of course there are. I mean, there's, there's a mixture of everything that kind of goes on with that. And, you know, we have to take the good with the bad. I mean, look, I, I'm in a little bit of a disagreement with you because I don't believe that Ouija boards are bad. I think they are a tool that is used by a number of people who are 
you know, experienced. The most people who have had troubles with them are inexperienced with them. I don't see any difference between them or, say, people using TV shows, cards, or pendulums, or anything. It's a, it's a form of communication. It's a tool. It's much like a lot of people will say guns are bad. Well, are guns bad, or is it the people who are using them bad? Yeah, right. And, 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 and I totally get that point, but um, when I was talking to, to the priest and whatever, they had said that there's a difference between a good door opening and a bad door opening, and the Ouija board, they believe at least, was the bad door to open. Yeah, but that all started, that, that didn't happen until after the movie in the 70s came out. <laughs> okay. Oh, really? Which, which movie are you referring to? Ouija. Oh, okay. Okay. So, in other words, I, I, I too have had experiences uh, with Ouija boards. I'm not going to go into them here because they're long and drawn out. But uh, let me put it this way. My first girlfriend at age 16 was definitely possessed by something that came out of a Ouija board. That's all I'll tell you because it's crazy ass shit. And I saw stuff that you should see in horror movies. That's all I'll tell you. Because I, I have uh, seen many psychics, and I've been told on numerous occasions that I, I can draw them in. And there's been many times where we move from house to house, and I'll see them, and I'll say, okay, you know, uh, in the name of the Lord, please go away, and they're gone, right? Um, uh, I, there's some people that I believe can draw ghosts in, and I, I believe there's other people that, that like, I have friends that have never seen a ghost ever, right? Uh, I think it's within yourself that if you can draw them in. Do you have any? Do you believe there's any truth to that, Dave? Oh, I, I believe there is total truth to that. I mean, I believe that anybody can draw anything in, whether it's positive or negative. I've done it myself. You know, and hey, sometimes when you have something going on and you say a prayer and you're like, hey, you know, I need some help here. Something isn't uh, doesn't seem right here. You just run with it and you go with it. Have you ever, have you lived in a haunted house? Oh yeah, my, my current house is haunted. My previous couple houses were haunted. And I worked in a haunted building, actually a haunted hockey arena, back in 1994. Well, that was kind of freaky. That's some real strange events there. What did you see in, the, in a hockey arena? I'm curious. Well, it wasn't so much what we saw, it's what we heard. So I worked in a... I worked in a training facility uh, that was probably, the rink was about two-thirds the size of a normal hockey rink. And there was just something scary about this place. And a couple of instances that I remember was, I remember I was cleaning up at night, because we did everything. We did hockey. You know, when you were employed there, you were a Zamboni driver, you were a janitor, you were a money taker, you were uh, a hockey instructor, a uh, skating instructor. You did a little bit of everything when you were there. And I remember on this one particular night, uh, my buddy and his girlfriend had come to my work because we were all going out to the bar. And, he, and I said, look, if you come give me a hand, tidy up the dressing rooms, it's going to save me about 30 minutes, and that way, you know, we won't hit the lineup, you know, we'll just walk right in. And he's like, yeah, no problem. So there hadn't been anybody on the ice for about half an hour, and I 
Uh, and my cousin and I are cleaning up a, a dressing room. I'm sweeping it up of all the tape and everything that's on the ground. And all of a sudden, from, you know, from the rink, we start hearing pucks uh, being hit against, uh, you know, like the sound of pucks hitting the plexiglass and pucks hitting the boards. So I, I said, I was, what the hell is going on here? And we run out to the ice, which is only about 25, 30 feet away, and there isn't a single puck on the ice. There's nobody else in the building because the building is locked up, and it's just us three in there. And and we're like, you got to be kidding me. Like, hockey pucks make a very distinct sound when they hit the board you or they hit the glass, okay? Another time, this one's a little personal. You know, I mean... I haven't even shared this one on my show, so I'll share this one with you here. So, this whole time, after the bar closed, um, we went back, we went back to the hot spring, and, and there was nobody there, it's about 2 o'clock in the morning, and it's just me and a female friend. And anyways, I had a roommate, she had a roommate, we needed to figure something out because we didn't want to be around our roommates, you know what I'm talking about. So, we go back to the hockey rink, and I know nobody's there. And, as we were about to start to do our thing that a frisky young man and a frisky young woman would like to accomplish at certain times, we hear the downstairs door unlock. And then we hear the door close, the door lock again, and then we hear footsteps on the tile. And then those footsteps on the tile, got the stairs to go upstairs where we were. I jumped up, put my put my shirt back on, look out the window. There is no vehicle. There were only three people who had keys to this building, me and my two bosses. And their vehicles were not in the parking lot. One of them, my bosses lived out of town. The other one lived in town, but he was in bed. And her and I listened to footsteps start coming up the stairs. So I walk to the stairway ever so slowly in case it's a burglar and I gotta fight somebody and there's no one there. Not a soul. Still fun for that night, let me tell you. No <laughs> doubt. No doubt. No. Old baby yeah. thought he was getting some love in that night. Maybe got no love. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. So I got some more gross questions for you. Hey, um, this one is actually asked by one of my uh, grandkids, ghost age and ghost feel pain. Uh, I do not think that they age. I think that they stay the same age that they are. Uh, right. A lot of them know their timeline. They know that they're dead. Right. Um, that being said, do they feel pain? I would say some of them feel emotional pain over the trauma that maybe the way they died or maybe... You know, if somebody was right. murdered or in a car accident, that was torn yeah, up. Not, not, not physical pain. I agree. I agree. It would have to be emotional pain. Like, yeah, I don't kind of like, almost mental. Yes. I would agree with that. Yeah. Okay. And, um, here's one that was asked by an eight-year-old. Do ghosts get along with each other if they haunt a particular place with one another? <laughs> Some of them don't. Hey, Some of them don't. I, I can tell you, I can tell you, I can tell you a story right now that uh, 
that would, that would uh, uh, show uh, an understanding to the question you just asked. I, in, my, in my little town here, we have a museum. And I used to run, uh, for three years, I actually started and successfully ran a ghost tour at the museum. And I did it for free to raise money for the museum because it's non-profit. And in three years, I raised almost $14,000 for that museum on taking people on ghost tours because the place is really haunted. We have this giant Clydesdale barn that was built in 1919 uh, after World War I. It was a dedicated building. Uh, the barn was built by a gentleman who lost his best friend in, in the war. And he built this giant 60, 70 yard Clydesdale barn. And it's two stories. Well, the geniuses at this museum, uh, the society, they have this member, and I'm not gonna say his name because it's irrelevant, but because he was a firefighter for 35 years, he knows there's no such thing as the paranormal. I don't know how the two coordinate or correlate with each other, but they don't. But that's his belief. I was a firefighter for 35 years. There's no such thing as the paranormal. I said, well, you're in the wrong place. Well, this genius decides that one day he wants to build, tear apart one of the Clydesdale stalls and put up a jail cell. Now, they had had a jail cell from the old RCMP depot here sitting in the barn for 25 years. Well, here's what happens when you build something negative, like a jail cell. When you put it back together, all the residual energy that is connected with that jail cell comes back and it explodes into paranormal activity. So in that Clydesdale barn on the bottom floor, we used to have four spirits. There was a young girl there who used to bale hay for the horses. There was an old World War II veteran that hung out there. Uh, many people, considering the museum is right along the Gold Rush Trail, uh, there were many ghosts that would stop by that were coming up or down from the Klondike. Uh, and they never would tell us where their gold is hidden, which was really stupid, you know, because I would like to go look for it, but they hid that. Plus, we had a couple more resident spirits. Once they built that jail cell, the entire spirit activity left on. Now, what happened, I don't know. But what I do know is when you put something negative into a positive place, it changes the entire atmosphere. And there is nothing positive about a jail cell. Nothing whatsoever. A jail cell exactly. is filled with hate. It's filled with murder. It's filled with, with uh, deception, lies. It's filled with everything that's not supposed to be there. Okay. Negative energy. Negative energy. Absolutely. So we went to investigate a jail cell one time. And my friend Merle and I actually watched a five to six foot spider shadow crawl right along the ceiling in front of that jail cell. Wow. That's creepy. <laughs> I don't like spiders, so that's even more creepy. <laughs> I hate spiders. Okay. Yeah, yeah so... We got, uh, I think that's enough for the ghost talk. Uh, when we come back, uh, we're talking about shapeshifters, and I know your personal favorite, Thanks. Perfect. Wow, we're, so we are just covering a lot of area tonight in such a short period of time, but that's usually whatever happens with me, Scott. We just, <laughs> we get on a tangent, we go one way, we go the other way. And uh, um, shapeshifters, now that is 
an interesting topic. I had one go through my truck, and um, I'm not going to make that story now. So I'm going to I'm going to actually tell you that when when I get on your podcast, Dave. Um, but uh, I did want to ask you about shapeshifters. If you felt them, seen them, had experiences with them, um, what's your opinion on them? I have had no experiences with them, and I am glad that I haven't. And okay. uh, and the reason why is because I do believe that they are out there. And oh, yeah. so state shifting goes back millennia, especially with First Nations. And yeah, he's up there. Yeah, he's able to talk about. Uh, they believe, many believe Sasquatch is a shapeshifter. Many believe the Skinwalkers or Wendigos are shapeshifters. And there is some, even little people could be shapeshifters. And they are, you know, they are um, very, very cognizant of uh, of what is going on. Do I believe they're out there? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Do I want to run into one? Nope. Nope. No, we have that. It's all yours, yeah. right? Yeah. No, I, I only had it happen once. And... It's the weirdest experience. It really is. But I, I will definitely share that with you on your podcast. How about you, Lisa? Do you have uh, any experience with shapeshifters? Have you seen them, heard about them? Do you believe in them? Yes. I have heard other people. I have done Shadow walk through about, I don't know, maybe 
whether it be Canadian or American, are they covering up the existence of Bigfoot? I don't think they're covering up the existence. I do believe they know it's there. But you got to realize what happens when, uh, when a, a new species or an endangered species or a thought-to-be extinct species is rebound. Okay? Right. What happens is this, and I, and I got this from somebody who works in Ottawa. What happens is when, let's just say Bigfoot is found to be alive and well in the British Columbia caribou region where I live. Right. And what happens is they, the government cordons off an area to where the creature was found. The government scientists and scientists from universities come in and they shut everything down. They shut down forestry. They shut down fishing. They shut down hunting. They shut down camping. They shut down hiking and mining and taking your dogs for a stroll on the gravel road. ATV. They shut everything down because they need the time, and it's shut down indefinitely. They need the time to figure out, okay, what is the habitat? Is this a creature that stays in the area 365 days a year, or is it moving on with other wildlife as it continues uh, its migration? Does it uh, feed off uh, off of uh, deer or other wildlife? Does it feed off of of the, the vegetation that the trees and the plants provide? Is it eating fish out of the water? Where is its water sources? How many water sources are there? How many are there in the area? Where do they live? Where are they bedding down? Is there a cave system? Is there an underground system? Or are they building teepees? So there are all these questions about its habituation that need to be asked. And um, you can't have any distraction in that area. And you're looking at millions of dollars here, people. Like a, a regular logging uh, contract for an area, that could be worth up to $10, 15000000 million in raw logs. And when you're shutting down logging crews over their area, those are a lot of people who are going to lose their jobs. Never mind how it exactly. Okay, the, the town that you are near, so let's say it's near my town, okay, how is the town going to react to a loss of tourism revenue from campers and hunters and fishermen and hikers and snowmobilers and, and ATV enthusiasts? How are they going to react? Where Because they're not going to come to this area, okay? So there are literally millions of dollars in people's lives in, in effect for this. Okay, it's not just saying, hey, we found Bigfoot. It's not like that at all. There's more politically to it. Do I think the government knows about them? Yes, I do. Do they choose not to speak about it and just leave them be? Yes, that's what I believe. And again, probably because of the panic idea, right? You get panicked and you lose money. I mean, I can totally relate. And you're in a 100-mile house, so you are kind of, your backyard is tons of Bigfoot, right? Like, you know, you're, you're right up there in the boonies. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yes. Dude, uh, I had a, uh, my, my cable guy, who I call Cable Guy Matt, he's a friend of mine. At Christmas time, his brother-in-law was hunting about 15, 20 minutes from my house. And 
he came across it. Right in the middle of the forest, in the middle of nowhere, comes across a TV structure that is incredible. Never seen something like that. We're going to go find that area when, once all the snow melts because we need to know. Was that man-made? Was it creature-made? Right, exactly. But, but we do know that Bigfoot drinks copious. Oh, so does Dave. So does Dave. There's nothing better. There, there is, I will tell you this, and I will argue this with anybody. There is no better beer, ice cold, ice, ice cold, than Kokanee. It is, yeah, no, I agree. I've had a cold Kokanee. It definitely, it definitely uh, quenches the thirst in the summer. Yeah, I do agree. Yeah, uh, but they, they sure marketed the crap out of Bigfoot with Kokanee, and they made millions of dollars from it, too. Oh, yeah. And, sure, why not exactly, you know? I mean, uh, I don't even know. Did they, I wonder if they even have a hockey team. Bigfoot somewhere. Oh, I'm sure there's something somewhere. Oh, probably. Probably. So, which brings me to the next question about Bigfoot. Okay. Um, you know, what do you think is the most concrete evidence in history so far that shows the existence of Bigfoot? Whether it be a photograph or what, 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 what do you think is the most concrete evidence that you saw? Well, I... I still think it's 54 years ago when the Patterson Gimlin film, or 56 years ago, yeah, yeah, film came out at Bluff yeah. Creek, California. Now, there's been a lot of speculation on whether or not that video is truthful or not. I'm going to uh, tell you right now that it is. Okay. Um, why do you think it is? Because I mean, I, I, I'm actually looking at it right now as I'm talking to you, and okay. if you zoom in, it almost looks like somebody in a suit. I'm not going to lie to you. Oh, of course it does. But tell me this. In the 19th see, when we look at this, at this video now, we're looking at it with 21st century eyes. We are not looking at it from prudish 1960s eyes, where there were still men paid, by law enforcement officers paid, to measure the lengths of women's swimsuits. Right. The sexual revolution hadn't happened yet. Woodstock hadn't happened. We had gone to the moon. The biggest controversy in the United States was the Vietnam War and racism. All right? Now, when you look at that video from a 1967 perspective, I want you to zoom in on that Sasquatch, and I want you to tell me what you see. Well, I haven't seen the video for a long time, but it, it, it does show very kind of uh, animalistic movements. Let's put it that way. Okay. Well, if you zoom in on the photograph uh -huh. or on the video, you will notice that the Sasquatch has breasts. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> Look, All right. nobody, nobody in their right mind in the mid-1960s is going to take a monkey suit and then say, hey, let's sew a pair of tits on this thing and make a monkey <laughs> Good point. Good point. Nobody is doing that. Right. Look, then you'll hear people will say, well, Roger Patterson and uh, Bob Gimlin admitted that they that they faked the video. No, they did not. This is what they did. They went through a time. you got to realize, guys, this is why we will never see the smoking gun video ever come out again. Okay? And I, and I tell all your listeners, if you have that smoking gun video of a UFO landing and aliens coming out, or Sasquatch, or whatever it may be, do not put it public. You will be 
absolutely ridicule, chastise everything. You gotta realize this video, people were so angry thinking that Patterson and Gimlin made up this video that to this date, 56 years later, okay, Bob Gimlin died a long time ago. Well, pardon me, Roger Patterson died, I think, in the 1980s, okay? And Bob Gimlin is 96 years old. And to this day, he is still harassed with death threats. His family is still harassed. His grandchildren are harassed with death threats. All because people have gone nuts for 50 years over this video thinking that they faked it. Right? And it, and it got to a point where Patterson and Gimlin actually said, you know what, fine. You think we made it up? Great. You believe that we made it up. And then people were like, ah, ah, gotcha, gotcha, you lying sons of guns, right? Right. And in the meantime, they didn't, but they had to try and get the pressure off, because when you got somebody threatening your children's lives, is how hard can it be? So they were damned if they do, saying that, yes, it's real, and they were damned if they don't by saying, no, you guys are right, we made it up, you know, our bad, you know, we're the bad guys, we made up this video, it's a monkey suit. Right. Climatologists from all around the world have studied this video, and they will tell you point blank, there is no way a human can walk the way that creature is. It's impossible. Okay. I, I'm going to have to watch that video again. And now, and now that you, you, know, you told me that Bigfoot has brass on his ear.
Thanks, Dave. Okay, so um, we'll just finish off about YouTube channel. We are definitely getting a channel, and we are going to be on on February the 7th. And I might add, February the 9th. So we are doing two podcasts that week, and um, we will uh, have some fun. Uh, I know Jay's going to be wearing some different hats that, that night. And just want to tell you about Bandage Road Days on Facebook. If you haven't joined, join it. He's my trucking boy. And um, you can actually see the places he goes and whatnot. He's snoozing right beside me. And we also have an email, which is highwayfreaks589 at gmail.com. So if you want to mail in your questions, any questions, uh, and, and they were some excellent questions that got emailed. Um, it's always good to see some feedback. Uh, we're obviously starting to tap into different uh, audiences out there, and we look forward to more topics coming up. Uh, I can tell you this. We have Ray Crone. He's going to be uh, on very shortly within the next uh, two to three weeks telling you about his experience uh, 10 years in prison for a crime he didn't commit. We have Nancy Taylor, and she'll be coming up very shortly uh, with her experience with wolf people, uh, a lady that actually owns uh, a large number of wolves. Uh, I know her personally, and she's a great lady. And, um, Will, I think you're going to be tapping into the Indian Brotherhood uh, down the road and maybe getting one of those people on and sharing some experiences you know, with yourself and them as well. And uh, Lisa, if you have anybody that you want to add to the podcast, you're more than welcome as well. So that's pretty much it. Uh, thanks for everybody. Thanks, Highway Freaks, uh, all our brothers and sisters on the road there that did not uh, make it, uh, you know, to their destinations. Be safe. And um, we all are glad that you're tuning in. So as one trucker to another, take the road easy. Take the road fast. And make sure it's your destination in one piece. Thanks, guys.